Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash SXY. Supported by an unrestricted educational grant from AstraZeneca. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on chronic kidney disease. This activity comprises a series of six streaming episodes with Professor Pinar Topseva. Hello, this is Pinar Topseva from Acıbadem University School of Medicine in Istanbul, Turkey. Welcome to this activity, Step-by-Step -step Strategies for Ending Inertia in Chronic Kidney Disease. In this activity, we will review how to apply principles of active diagnosis and management of CKD, especially in terms of screening and prevention, with the goal of improving clinical outcomes. Also, of course, we will summarize the current best practices for managing CKD, including the role of SGLT2 inhibitors and review the rationale for SGLT2 inhibition for CKD. Chronic kidney disease is defined as abnormalities of kidney structure and function, and uh, that should be present for more than three months. Important diagnostic criteria are albuminuria, more than 30 mg per uh, 24 hours, and abnormal urine sediment, electrolytes, or other abnormalities due to tubular disorders and structural abnormalities, which are detected by histology or imaging. A history of kidney transplantation would be an indicator and also GFR less than 60 milliliters per minute per, per body surface is last but not least one of our most important indicators. The moment you start excreting protein in the urine, the risk of chronic kidney disease is increasing exponentially. So proteinuria is very, very important as a risk marker in those patients. For screening indications, we know that there's a risk stratification warranted as with many other chronic diseases. So patients with type 2 diabetes or hypertension should be screened annually. The conceptual framework is by individual risk profile of the patient. So the primary care physician or the family physician or GP has to screen the patients uh, in her or his population for chronic kidney disease according to their individual risk level. Furthermore, patients with other risk factors like cardiovascular disease, advanced age, history of low, low birth weight, obesity, and a family history of chronic kidney disease should be screened as well. The screening tests recommended include the measurement of serum creatinine and the estimation of uh, GFR using a serum creatinine-based equation and the measurement of urine-albumin-creatinine ratio and, of course, simple urine analysis. These are things that we can very easily do in the primary healthcare setting. 
Here we see the different interventions that are evidence-based recommended for chronic kidney disease. First of all, of course, lifestyle modification, like smoking cessation and maintaining a healthy body weight and avoiding sedentary lifestyle. But also renin-angiotensin-aldosterone uh, system inhibition for renal protection and to control the blood pressure and statins to control the lipids. Of course, glycemic control is also very, very important in those patients. I know that most of you are very familiar with those trials already. Uh, keep in mind that in the DAPA-CKD trial, we also had people without type 2 diabetes. And actually, the baseline EGFR threshold to initiate SGLT2 inhibitor therapy had been lowered to 25 milliliters. Remember, it was 30 before. So that's very important for us in primary care to know. Uh, the primary endpoints were very similar for these trials and the numbers needed to treat are quite compelling in terms of preventing cardiovascular or renal death or progression of renal dysfunction to end-stage renal disease like dialysis. Uh, other evidence from the DAPA-CKD study has shown that the all-cause mortality is significantly reduced in people with and without type 2 diabetes with chronic kidney disease. So we can say that in people with chronic kidney disease, therapeutic intervention with SGLT2 inhibitors is safe and effective. So what to expect out of SGLT2 therapy? We already talked about the fact that they are renal uh, as well as cardioprotective and even more so important that the health benefits of these protective effects are bidirectional. In summary, actually, we as family physicians are the gatekeepers of the healthcare system and primary care is the first point of care in many countries. Chronic kidney disease is prevalent in the general population. Uh, thus, for us uh, primary care physicians looking after a low prevalence population, we are also very likely to encounter people with chronic kidney chronic kidney disease. So we need to be aware and we need to know whom to screen, when to screen, how often to screen uh, and with which intervals and with which screening tests. Chronic kidney disease has a subclinical latency period where people are asymptomatic, but by screening we can proactively detect them in an early stage and intervene early. Now that we have ample evidence that early therapeutic intervention prevents premature de deaths, that is very important. Remember, we talked about the recent data from the DAPA-CKD study and that it prolongs life and that, is, that this is irrespective of the presence of aggravating factors like uh, type 2 diabetes. We know that SGLT2 inhibitors offer additional renal protection and also cardioprotection. We know that this works in people with and even without type 2 diabetes. Due to this compelling research evidence, this drug family, the one of SGLT2 inhibitors, has now become a part of a standard care for chronic kidney disease. In the second episode, we would like to go into discussing patient cases with you.
In the second episode, we would now like to discuss patient cases with you. Our first patient is a patient with hypertension, and we will see whether and if yes, why there's a rationale for SGLT2 inhibitor therapy for this patient and what to expect from that. Our patient is a 66-year-old gentleman with hypertension, and he has stage 3a chronic kidney disease. You see that his EGFR is 50 milliliters per minute per body surface, and he has a high albumin excretion rate. His hypertension is also poorly controlled, and uh, the A1C is normal. He's on an ACE inhibitor uh, since a year and also uh, on a hydrochlorothiazide diuretic. Typically, such a patient would go untreated for quite a while as neither CKD nor the elevated blood pressure cause enough discomfort or functional loss as to seek medical care. What's very important in this patient is that he's already at a very high level of risk. If we don't proactively change the therapy of this patient, then his increased blood pressure would drive his proteinuria, which in turn means progress of his chronic kidney disease, which in turn is associated with an increased mortality risk as by increasing stage. So it's very, very important to proactively and early intervene therapeutically here. The proactive therapeutic threshold in people with chronic kidney disease uh, for blood pressure is 140 over 90 millimeters mercury. And the target blood pressure value here because of the proteinuria would be 130 over 80 millimeters mercury. So with his blood pressure, uh, to optimize blood pressure control in these patients, we do use ACE inhibitors or ARPs. One other thing again uh, for us GPs is uh, that it's important to have in mind drug combinations as most of the blood pressure drugs do contain also diuretics. In this case, this was a thiazide, which is a diabetogenic. This patient is a candidate actually for type 2 diabetes, so we should maybe be more into other diuretics, like for instance, loop diuretics. Of course, if we are putting him on one of these, then we have to check the potassium levels after two and uh, four weeks. If the potassium is over six milliequivalents per liter, then of course such a patient would deserve referral to see a nephrologist. So I would start this gentleman on an SGLT2 inhibitor and I would do this right away. The rationale for that uh, in this patient is because he has multiple risks. To quote the DEPA-CKD study, SGLT2 inhibitors have been shown to be safe and effective in reducing mortality in people with chronic kidney disease, irrespective of baseline characteristics. So here in this patient, it was of course the chronic kidney disease and his hypertension, but blood glucose is also a condition to be monitored because it is one of his impeding risks. He's very likely to turn into a type 2 diabetic patient, so that is something to follow up. 
because we're putting our patient on a new drug, of course, we should be alert about the side effects that are most likely to happen, like urinary tract infections, especially yeast infections, also upper respiratory tract infections. If our patient has high blood lipids, also there could be an increase in blood cholesterol, again, something to monitor. One more thing. Be careful with patients who are ketosis prone. This patient is not yet type 2 diabetic, so it's not one of our major concerns here. But being the GP following up your population, you would know anyway who's ketosis prone or not. What to be alert about in such a patient would be actually the possibility of an early drop in EGFR once we have initiated SGLT2 inhibitor therapy. But that does not indicate a worsening of the condition. On the contrary, that is an effect that erodes and ceases after therapy initiation. Let's move on to the next patient. Our patient is a 61-year-old lady with hypertension and, again, chronic kidney disease. She has stage 3b and in her medical history we see that her EGFR is 33 milliliters per minute per body surface, which is low. Uh, she has no smoking history. Her diabetes is well controlled uh, with an A1c of 6.8%. And her blood pressure is under poor control. Her urine albumin creatinine ratio is high and she has hyperkalemia. Her current medications include an angiotensin receptor blocker and metformin. So, would we consider SGLT2 therapy for this lady? Yes, we would. The CKD is likely to progress and we know by evidence from the NICE guideline that an EGFR decline of 2 to 2.25 milliliters per minute per year in her age group is likely to happen. So that means within a considerable short period of time, so within let's say the next five years or so, she'd be likely to end up with end-stage renal disease and that is why we need to intervene early with this lady. The drivers of this, of course, are the blood pressure and the proteinuria. What is in her favor, though, is that she is a non-smoker and that her diabetes, at least for the time being, is well controlled. What would we be monitoring? We would again have an eye on the early EGFR drop, whether it happens or not, and because she's overweight uh, to obese and has type 2 diabetes, she might be prone to urinary tract infections. That is one of the side effects of SGLT2 inhibition, and we would monitor her for incidence of those. In terms of diuretics, we could add a loop diuretic to her antihypertensive therapy in order for uh, achieving better blood pressure control. So blood pressure control would also benefit her protein excretion in the urine. Because she's an elderly lady, watch out for fracture risk and also her body weight should be monitored. The next patient is a patient with type 2 diabetes and again decreasing EGFR. Let's see what we can do for her. 
The next patient is a patient with type 2 diabetes and again decreasing EGFR. Her blood pressure is normal. She's 70 years old. Her HbA1c is not optimally controlled with 7.7% and she is obese. When we look at her drugs, she's on metformin, an ACE inhibitor, and on dapagliflozin, so she already has therapy with SGLT2 inhibitors ongoing, which is good. We need to take a proactive approach for her, improving the kidney function of this patient, because she has type 2 diabetes and progressing chronic kidney disease. When we treat her with an SGLT2 inhibitor, she will have cardio and renal protection. And the best thing about this is that uh, we can achieve all this uh, effectively and safely. So what to expect with this lady? Remember, this initial drop in EGFR should not alarm us, but we need to monitor. We could adjust actually the background anti-diabetic therapy. We could later on switch from metform metformin to a GLP-1 receptor agonist because that will also benefit her body weight. So our last patient is again one with type 2 diabetes and a decreased kidney function. So our last patient again is one with type 2 diabetes and decreased kidney function. This is a 73-year-old gentleman and actually he has no known atherosclerotic cardiovascular risk factors but his blood pressure is under poor control. He has a urine excretion rate which is high and an EGFR of 40 milliliters per minute per body surface which is decreased. He is on metformin, citagliptin, an ACE inhibitor and on a statin. His LDL cholesterol is also elevated. So my primary concern for this patient would be premature mortality driven by chronic kidney disease, type 2 diabetes and resulting cardiovascular disease risk. What we need to do instantly is to improve the kidney function, improve the glycemia and decrease the body weight. Again, remember from the previous patients, these are all goals that we can achieve with SGLT2 inhibitor treatment effectively and safely. We would advise to add an SGLT2 inhibitor to the therapy of this patient as well and we would be counseling this patient in terms of hypoglycemic events and also volume depletion. If they are on antihypertensives and on diuretics it might be that their blood pressure goes down. The last episode uh, is actually on how to counsel our patients and how to talk to our patients about SGLT2 therapy. The last episode uh, is actually on how to counsel our patients and how to talk to our patients about SGLT2 therapy. Remember, we talked about the initial drop in EGFR and here we see that from the Credence trial, EGFR decline erodes with continuing therapy. 
When starting SGLT2 inhibitor therapy, I will tell my patient that there is an expected and transient early drop of kidney function. This effect is, as I said, expected and of course that we will monitor their kidney function. Kidney function will improve and that in turn will benefit their kidneys, kidneys and their heart. As for the side effects, the ones which are most often encountered are genitourinary tract infections. Also, there might be volume depletion, which might lead to hypotensive attacks. Ketoacidosis, amputations and fractures are less frequently encountered side effects. What we need to be alert about, of course, is uptitrating the doses, monitoring of kidney function, and counseling patients about possible uh, side effects. Because chronic kidney disease is a chronic condition, they will have to take the SGLT2 inhibitor for a lifetime, so persistence is very important here. If something disturbs the patient very much, then they are likely uh, just to skip the therapy without consulting us, their GPs. So if we talk to our patients about the possible side effects and that they are harmless and transient, and if they should occur, that the first thing they need to do is to contact us because we can help out with symptomatic therapies, then they are much more likely to be adherent and persistent. That is very, very important for them to have this benefit and risk decrease for mortality. In summary, primary care physicians can and do make a huge difference to the health of patients with chronic kidney disease and also to population health in fact by proactive early screening of at-risk patients and by again proactively treating patients with abnormal kidney function. What's important to remember when we start talking about the rationale of screening chronic kidney disease in primary care at the very beginning is that most of the time our patients are asymptomatic. So we should really screen for proteinuria in primary care with a urine sample in all at-risk groups and we should do that irrespective of any symptoms, even if they are asymptomatic. That is recommended in all evidence-based guidelines and in all countries. We know that SGLT2 inhibition has cardioprotective as well as renoprotective effects. One thing to mention to our patients is this uh, initial uh, drop in EGFR eventually, which is transient and is expected. It's nothing to worry about. Just continue the therapy with this drug, which we know is preventing morbidity as well as mortality in people with chronic kidney disease. So thank you very much for being with us today. I hope this was useful for you and I hope to see you soon again. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.